My name is Chuck. I have a new life in Christ. And I'm in recovery for pornography, comfort, and this week, trusting the enemy's lies over God's truth. Good to see you tonight. And so tonight, I want to I start with a story that I actually told a few months ago in one of our Monday nights to kind of end that time. There are some kids in Keturah, which is on the outskirts of Asuncion, Paraguay, who are making music with their trash. They're turning wash tubs into kettle drums and drain pipes into trumpets. Other orchestras will fine-tune their maple, cellos, or brass tubas, but not this band. They play Beethoven sonatas with plastic buckets because garbage is the crop this town harvests. They sort it and sell it for pennies on the dollar. The problem is many of the people have ended up as the same fate as the trash. They've been discarded. They've been overlooked. Two men changed the trajectory of many of those lives. Fabio Chavez is an environmental technician who envisioned a music school as a welcome reprieve for the children of this village. Don Cola Gomez is a trash worker and a carpenter. He'd never seen, heard, or held a violin in his life, yet when someone described the instrument, this untutored craftsman took a paint can and an oil tray into his tiny workshop, and out of it, he made a violin. His next instrument was a cello. He fashioned a body out of an oil barrel and made tuning knobs from a hairbrush, the heel of a shoe, and a wooden spoon. Soon. He had created instruments out of the trash. And these kids have played these instruments into absolute fame. Maestros from all over the world, once their story made the national news and made it, it did. They would come and they would conduct for this little orchestra. They're now known as the Landfill Harmonic and also the Recycled Orchestra of Keturah. Tonight, I'd just like them to be a picture of God's grace. Because God makes music out of those the world discards. God's orchestra is composed of the most unlikely of musicians. In my mind's eye, I can see that one over in the corner playing the violin. His name is Paul. He was one of the greatest religious thugs of his time until on a Damascus road, he met Jesus. The guy over in the other section, his name is David. King David to some. Womanizing David. Murderous David. Step six, repentant, David. But the one I want you to take special note of is the woman that's playing the clarinet. Her name is Rahab. And it's her story that we want to share tonight, beginning in Joshua 2, verse 1. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and they lodged there. 
So the Israelite people were about to enter the, the promised land. Here's the problem. Their first obstacle is this city that is known as Jericho, and it's inhabited by the Canaanites. The Canaanites are some of the most barbaric people history has ever produced. They murdered their own babies. They had orgies in their temple. They neither feared God nor did they have any regard for human life. And it's in this city that these spies meet someone who is known as Rahab the harlot or Rahab the prostitute. See, I think you could say a lot about Rahab without ever mentioning her profession. She was a Canaanite who provided cover for these spies. She came to believe in the God of Abraham long before she'd ever met the children of Abraham. She ended up marrying a contemporary of Joshua. She bore a son by the name of Boaz. She had a great-grandson by the name of Jesse and a great-great-grandson by the name of David. Yes, that aforementioned King David. Her name appears in the family tree of Jesus. Her resume never needed to mention her profession, yet in five out of eight appearances in Scripture, she is presented as a prostitute. And I have to ask the question, wouldn't one time have sufficed? I mean, it's bad enough that her name Rahab sounds like rehab. (laughs) Disguise that career choice. Put a little concealer on that biblical blemish, but the Bible doesn't do that. Actually, what Scripture does is puts a spotlight on it. And if that's not enough, a neon sign right over that moment as well. And in Hebrews chapter 11, in that great hall of fame of faith, you have names like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and in a corner, of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 31, you have these words. By faith, Rahab the harlot perished not with those who were disobedient, having received the spies with peace. No asterisk, no footnote, No apology. Her history of prostitution is a part of her testimony. And so in Joshua 2, you have the rest of the story. The king heard the spies had come and Rahab had them. So he sent soldiers to the house, but she'd hidden the spies and told the soldiers, oh, no, 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 they're gone. They escaped through the city gates. You need to head that direction after them and sent them on this wild goose chase. And after the threat had passed, I want you to listen to what Jericho's lady of the evening said to them. She said, I know the Lord has given you the land that the terror of you has fallen on us and that the inhabitants of the land are faint hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And we know what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, and I want you to hear her words of faith. He is God in heaven above, and he is God on earth beneath. Rahab found God. 
or better spoken, God found Rahab. He'd spotted a tender heart in a hard city and he reached out to save her. He would have saved the entire city, but no one else made the request. But then again, perhaps Rahab had an advantage over all the other people. Rahab had nothing to lose and she knew it. Perhaps tonight, that's where you are as well. See, you've seen God's move in other people's lives. You've seen him do those miraculous things and you look at their life and go, man, God is so good. It is so good that he has done that for you. And then the spotlight turns on you and you don't believe that God can be as good for you as he was for them. You'll add adjectives. I am too soiled, dirty, afflicted. I've sinned too much, stumbled too often, floundered too long. I am on the garbage heap of society. The reason I can say that with such clarity, it's where I have spent my life the last 30 years, sometimes believing those lies. I have to preach the gospel to myself every day or that's the place I will find myself. See, Rahab and her story is God's answer to such doubt. Lest we think God's promised land is for promise to a chosen few, he positions her story in the very front of Joshua's book. The narrator gives her an entire chapter. She gets more inches of type than do the priests, the spies, or Joshua's right-hand man. See, I think that says to every one of us, God has a place for the Rahabs of the world. And if you think you're a Rahab and in this place tonight, God has a place for you too. See, I think the Hebrew spies were actually Hebrew missionaries. God didn't spend spies on a recon mission. He sent them to reach Rahab. Look at what they tell her in Joshua 2.18. He says, bind this line of scarlet cord and the window through which you let us down. They wanted to be able to identify the house when they stormed the city. So the spies escaped. And Rahab made her preparation. She told her family, get ready. She kept an eye out for the coming army. And when the Hebrews came and the walls fell, and while everyone else except Rahab and her family perished, remember the words of Hebrews eleven thirty one: By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish. If you get nothing else tonight, if you remember nothing else that we've talked about, remember this. Her profession of faith mattered more than her profession as a prostitute. Her declaration in who God was and what God was going to do and how God was going to move and what she believed about her life and this God it mattered more than everything she had ever done, good, bad, or indifferent. Our profession of faith is what matters. Our works, all our works are like filthy rags. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you've got a really checkered past. 
See, when they run a background check on me, it lights up like a Las Vegas slot machine. You've never seen anything like it in your life. And I've wondered, how could anyone trust someone like me after what I have done? Or maybe your friends don't get your Christian faith. Or maybe your ancestry is one of rebellion and you've decided since that's what it's looked like, I'm going to be the most rebellious of all. No one can tell me anything about anything. I'm going to live my life on my terms, in my ways, in my desires. If that description fits you in any way, Rahab is your girl. See, we may not drop scarlet cords from our windows, but we have trusted the crimson thread of Christ's blood. We have believed the words of the Apostle Paul. For by grace, you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that anyone can boast. And then Paul says these words, for you, you are God's workmanship. You're God's poetry, God's masterpiece. You have been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God sits there and says, I'm going to take your life, all of your life, and I am going to paint this incredible picture with it, or I'm going to write this incredible poem, and I'm going to tell you, speak the poem to the world. Tell the world what I have done. Show the picture to the world so the world can understand exactly who I am, how good I am, and how good I have been to you. We don't prepare for the coming of the Hebrews, but we do live with an eye toward the second coming of our Joshua. His name is Jesus Christ. See, ultimately, we'll see what all the people of Asuncion are discovering. Our mess becomes God's music. And God will have a heaven full of rescued Rahabs in his symphony. 